Hello and welcome back to the Daily Thread. We're coming at you with an evening episode. This is, uh, we generally upload in the morning. We generally don't put out an episode on Saturday night, but because of the Yumtov schedule, mm-hmm. it's a little bit wild. We wanted to get an episode out to you. Um, there's a lot to discuss. Sukkot is upon us. And um, this year it's going to be a cold one. So you got your you got your sweater ready for the sukkah? Some years, um, some years it's hot. Some years it's it's cold. This is this yeah. one's gonna be a cold one. In my uh, recollections of uh, Sukkot is gone by. Um, I think I mentioned it in the newspaper a few weeks ago. Uh, I remember one Sukkot when I was a kid in Crown Heights, which we seem to talk about a lot because yeah. a lot of memories get conjured up just talking to you in this in this forum. We don't get an opportunity to talk like this otherwise. No. Talk about the know. past. I don't know how you about grew, history. How, I don't know how you grew up so fast. I don't know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I remember one circus. I was in a winter coat with a ski cap on. That's how cold it was. Really, I don't think it's going to be like that this year. I mean, we're going to be in, in uh, upstate New York. Together. Yeah, Muncie. It's going to be a Chestnut little bit colder Ridge. there. Very intimate group of uh, thirty-five people. Yeah, um, and it's colder up there. About five to seven degrees colder than it is here. So it could be about forty degrees at night. Got to bundle up. Got to prepare for it. Those people that sleep in the sukkah. Something that is worth discussing. Something yes. that I didn't plan on discussing, but I think, you know, we have the platform. Mm-hmm. Simchas Torah is, I'm not sure if we're putting on an episode before Simchas Torah. Maybe if we can, we'll, we'll knock out an episode of Chalamet if we're together. Okay, okay. Um, Simchas Torah is, is a time where, it's a very beautiful time, but there's also a time where, you know, Hatzalah is very busy, unfortunately, because of people who are a lot of drinking. Is that what you're saying? A lot of drinking, a lot of a lot of drinking. Um, maybe maybe some people who are not of age. And, yes, uh, that's that's true. That, I know, know Hatzalah generally does a campaign annually. They they kind of try to get people to pace themselves and to be responsible. So we want to echo that. Well, it became a big problem, I think, and uh, it's always been a big problem, but it became a major problem in. And more contemporary times, because the population grew, of course, and uh, the whole idea of substance abuse is every is every issue tied to the population growth. Uh, the fact that these issues uh, become more widespread, I believe, in part, could be attributed to the growth of the population. Of course, we're speaking about our community per se. Of course, as you see, uh, you can just gauge from the the way the yeshivas are bursting and how it's impossible for young people to find uh, a acceptable good place to live. How you, that's just a symptom of, of the, of the growth of, yeah. of the community. So it translates, uh, you know, down the line to these other issues, uh, whether it's uh, drug problems or uh, drinking problems, but you know, there's a big difference between drug problems and drinking problems. Yeah. One is legal and one's not, uh, Theoretically, yeah, you, you know, I did just see that yesterday. Joe Biden, I believe, he pardoned all small marijuana charges, mm-hmm. which is um, well. I remember, you know, uh, in, in my in the early part of my life, uh, I was I was um, a radio broadcaster at uh, when oh, I was wow, a coming, you're coming full circle. When I was a student in Brooklyn College, and um, we didn't have commercials, but we had these public service announcements that we used to read. On the news, I was a newscaster uh, uh, in those days, in the 1970s. And uh, one of the organizations that we got press releases from, there was no internet, okay? Mm-hmm. Had to get it in the mail. Uh, oh, wow. Was an organization called Normal, N-O-R-M-L. 
National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. This is in the seventies. You're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about, let's say late, let's say eighty. Uh, you're talking about forty plus years ago. Finally happened. You thought forty, and, but look, forty years. They've been they've been pushing for it. So I don't know. Either it does damage to people. Or some people call marijuana a gateway drug. You know what that means? I mean, yeah. it opens the Lisa, gateway yeah. to other types of uh, ups, uh, other types of drugs. You've had. Uh, Sviglock on, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say you've had marijuana. I did not. Um, I wasn't going to say that. You had Sviglock on. I had Sviglock, right? yeah. He, we deal, he deals on a daily basis uh, with these issues. But you start talking about Silvestre Torah. And, and the you, drinking issue. You don't want me going off on a, on a tangent. Well, we're there. I have to tell you something about Silvestre Torah, <laughs> okay? Please. You know, you're talking about the 1970, 19, late 1960s, 1970s. One of the things, my father was a Yiddish journalist, as you know, and... Um, and um, he used to wait for the newspaper to come uh, on Simcha's Torah morning because sometimes, not every year, some years, there was a small, tiny story buried inside the paper about Russian Jews that had the courage in Moscow to gather in front of the Moscow synagogue for Simcha's Torah. And he was so excited in the years that he saw that there's some kind of little little flicker of a flame of something about uh, Russian Jews that were so um, lived in such a religious vacuum for so many so many decades, and of course, you know, he his, he came from uh, he was born and ra- born and raised till he was a teenager in Belarus, and uh, actually I had no idea about that about what that he was born and raised in Belarus. Oh, where do you think he was born in Brooklyn? I don't know. He was born in, in. I didn't think he was born in Brooklyn. I knew it was like somewhere. Well, what do you think Dukchitz is? I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. It was in Belarus. Now, Belarus, by the way. Now, everyone became smart about Ukraine and and Russia. Now, nobody knew anything before. Everybody knows that Moldova is on this side of the of the of the Ukrainian border, and Poland is on this side, or maybe it's the other side. And uh, Belarus is to the right, and the other uh, the sea is to the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone got educated in the last year since Putin. Uh, invaded uh, invaded Ukraine, but Belarus uh, means White Russia. Okay, Belarus. So Belarus. Uh, so that's where he was born. He was born in White Russia, uh, in in a town called Dukchitz. He came here when he was sixteen years old, in nineteen thirty four. We're gonna have to dedicate a history episode to. Well, we could. You know, it's a heavy history. So why don't we do it in, in dribs and drabs the way yeah. we do it now? <laughs> um, anyways, so I know just just you know echoing the. People to be responsible in Sukkot Torah. You know, have fun, have a great time. It's a, it's an amazing day. It's a fun day. It's a festive day, but to be responsible, to be responsible, because uh, everyone wants to start and end Yantif at home. Yeah, I forgot what it was called. It's something called social. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Social something laws. If if you have underage children hanging out in your house and you have uh, liquor in the house, alcohol in the house. You're responsible for them. You're responsible for if them. They, if they take that alcohol when you're out or you're asleep, and and they they uh, and they get drunk, uh, and they and God forbid something happens. They do and they make trouble. Even if they just you know make a lot of noise and disturb neighbors, and someone calls the police, the the homeowner, uh, the adults are responsible for that. So you got to manage your your own stuff. Yeah, you got to be you got to be got to be careful. Um, let's talk about some headlines over the weekend. One headline that I saw, um, does UC Berkeley really have a Jew-free zone? Our good friends at UC Berkeley, a very Jewish-friendly college. Yeah, right? That's the phrase that's being employed by some prominent pro-Israel groups this week to describe a a dispute at UC Berkeley's law school. 
where nine students recently voted to adopt adopt bylaws that state that they will not invite any visiting speakers to campus who hold views in support of Zionism, the apartheid state of Israel, and the occupation of Palestine. So they're calling it a Jew-free zone. Yeah, I saw that last week. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, I forgot where I saw it, but... Uh, the president of the college is Jewish. Yeah, you know what? It, it kind of always... he would not he would not be allowed to speak at the school. It, well, he doesn't hold Zionist no, views. But he, no, no. You see, that's you have to really start analyzing it from a legal perspective. What does it mean to be pro-Israel? You know, you have groups like J Street that pro-Palestinian uh, and for two-state solution, so to speak, and they consider themselves pro-Israel. Okay. You know, the United States government, the Democrats, uh, Joe Biden and his Secretary of State, uh, their policy is still to this day two-state solution which means that and the, the palestinians demand as part of two states that all the settlers six hundred thousand settlers are evacuated from uh and this is this considered pro-israel you evacuated from where you know what evacuated from the show from uh, jas area what they call the west bank you consider pro-israel you know why it's called let me explain to you why it's called pro-israel because if you take the jews off out of the out of judea and samaria and you put them into original israel which was the size of the country in 1948, and you make the country smaller. So if Iran fires a nuclear missile, it's more difficult for them to hit Israel because Israel is smaller. Uh, so you're securing Israel. You're making it safer. So yeah. you're pro-Israel. And the people that want to make Israel larger and wider are endangering Israel because it's an easier target to hit. Well, that's pretty twisted. You could kind of have that argument about literally everything and anything. Well, first of all... I'm, star I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to starve somebody because... If I give them more food, then they'll maybe weigh more, and if they weigh more, it could lead to more disease. Like that's just you know. Crazy uh, way I know to you go. don't like me going off on tangents, but um, this, this whole podcast is one big tangent. <laughs> okay, but uh, a few years ago, I, I went to when I used to go before Abraham Kanievsky passed away. We used to go there every time. You you went with me once, right? of course. I went with you a number of times. Uh, we went. And we went uh, the last time I was there. Now a few a few, a few years ago, when I was there. Uh, Jan Hoffman gave me a bunch of questions. Yeah, I remember that. I was there with you. Yeah. There was one about ice cream, I believe. The first question was, if you, if, a, if an obese person walks into your ice cream store, are you allowed to, are you allowed to uh, f serve him ice cream? Or uh, are you, hel are you in, uh, contributing to, his, uh, to endangering him? Uh, what was the answer? Uh, Reb Chaim's answer was, no, no. No, no. Yeah, and then Rabbi Lesman was there with me, and Good. he wrote down the answers. And I have that sheet at home. The answer to the question was new, new. In other words, what can you do? It's got to touch it up. I don't what know. can you do? What can you do? The guy wants ice cream. Well, what are you supposed to do? Right. And I am his ice cream. Yeah, I guess. You know, uh, speaking of Israel, Ben Shapiro is in the Holy Land uh, with one of his new colleagues, Jordan Peterson, from who's doing something with the Daily Wire. And okay. they had a conference the other night. Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, and David Friedman had a conference in Israel. Oh, Why I am I bringing up Ben Shapiro? Yeah. Ben Shapiro is making some noise on social media nowadays because he is growing a beard. He has a beard growing on his face. Really? I saw yeah, a picture we'll put of the him. picture. We'll put the picture right over here. David Hassan sent me a picture of him at the airport in um, yeah in Miami. You want that? I can give that to you. You can, oh, put, it, you can put it up. Oh, the one with Davening. Davening Menachem. Yeah, you have that. Yeah, I have that one. But yeah, uh -huh. Ben Shapiro growing a beard. Um, Why is he growing a beard? I don't know. It's not Sphero. It's not the. It's not um, the three maybe weeks. he just doesn't want to shave anymore. I mean, LeBron James has a beard too. <laughs> I don't know how you draw the similarity. No, there's no parallel. We're talking about beards. I don't know. Necessarily, it could be a stylish thing. I know, but like, I don't know. People are taking. He's just lazy. Doesn't want to shave. You know, you got to shave every day if you're a clean-shaven person. You shave every day? No, I didn't shave today. Uh, I think I shaved yesterday before we uh, 
before we record it? You know, where I come from, uh, as you know, Crown uh, Heights. Most people do not. My father was clean shaven. Yeah, what's with that? Well, yeah, like, you want a picture? You can put a picture of my father and mother right here too, sure. if you want. I have one downstairs in my office. We have offices in the same building. It makes it more convenient when it gets cold outside. What's with, uh, you know, your father was your father's father. Yochanan Gordon was a god by in 770. Over here. Picture over here. Right over here. And okay. uh, he has a beard and all his brothers and all cousins and uh, your father. So you want a, uh, what, what do you want? You want a historical analysis no, your father or a psychological didn't, analysis? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of psychological. Uh, it's, 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 all my cousins are listening to this and watching this and their children are watching this, listening to this. And they're moving to the edge of their seat. They want to hear how I'm going. Yeah, to how it. did how did your father not have a beard? And I don't know. Listen, I it's it's difficult to to explain, but uh, the easy explanation is my father was he was a a, a journalist, and he he um, frequented a lot of different circles. He he was a man of the world, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I guess that he um, just decided that um, he'd be less maybe. I think it was before people were stereotyped, at least openly. I think maybe he thought he'd be less stereotyped. That's well, just my theory. If he if he didn't have a, uh, a, a Chabad beard. When I say a Chabad beard, it means untrimmed. You know, yeah. I mean, your beard can be growing in all kinds of different directions if you never if you never shave. Right. You know, some of them are frightening. But uh, that's only if you're if you're. Easily you you could only say that because <laughs> you're from Crown Heights. Otherwise, you would. Uh, uh, I was someone, someone, a, a couple of things uh, based off of our last episode that I want to yes. just, review, you know, pe yes. people did send in feedback. So I want to go ahead and. Um, you have and to give me access to that feedback. It's, yeah, they texted me privately. Um, so someone wrote, his name is Joel Krinsky. He wrote, you know, we spoke a lot about on last episode, the Urock person being the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the Bali Tfila. Yeah. Um, the Gabai though has to sell Elias and give out psichas, which covers basically the entire davening. Mm -hmm. The Gabai has to deal with the complaints and the politics. Who gets an Aliyah? Who gets psicha? Who's going to be offended? Um, you know, the Bal Musaf and the Bal Shachas can sort of chill during, you know, when they're not davening. But the Gabai is the manager, yeah. and yeah. there are multiple pitching changes every inning. So right, um, right. the 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 Gabai the, is really the one. Even even on Simchas Torah and even on uh, on Yom Tovim. Maybe I the Gabai should be the Urock person. I think you also you you failed to really explain what you meant by you know by Kol Nidre. The guy was just home. He ate a ton of food and he drank a gallon of water. Did I fail to? You didn't. You didn't really explain what the what the issue is. You know. Issue, okay. The I issue, think the is, issue is apparent. You know, if you're standing there, first of all, I don't think it's, it's maximum two hours. Uh, Kol Nidre. I don't know. I was by Kol Nidre. We hours? started at six twenty five and I got home close to ten. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're the one left the front door open. I came down uh, at one fifteen in the morning, and the doors were unlocked. I never have that. Unlocked, completely yeah. unlocked. Yeah. yeah, I'll check the basement. Maybe someone's down there right now. Oh, no one's down there. I looked around, but you uh, did. We looked around with well, your. I, that never happened. You looked to around me. with your Second Amendment. <laughs> with my Second Amendment, uh, listen. Anyone who comes into to our house is going to be sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they did. I think you're going to be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be very sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You want to put your address out there to challenge no, people? No, I'll put your address out first. <laughs> sure, be my guest. Anyways, um, I think the Gabai, though, deserves some love. So this is a a shout-out to the Gabayim, showing them some love. Another piece of feedback that I received um, from Avraham Gordon, who is okay. a cousin of ours, who okay. does Miftsa'im. He does mm -hmm. Miftsa'im for Chabad Air. And, um, oh, yeah, he's at the airport? 
Yeah, he texted me because we were discussing the last flight out, right? Maybe we'll see him tomorrow night. So he said that Chabad Air does not go to that flight because Chil Shabbos is usually involved with that flight, whether preparing for it or so. So they don't they don't wrap tefillin by those flights. That's a, that's a whole other debate. First of all, it's at night. They're not wrapping tefillin at night. That's true. Number one. Number two. How do you you know? How do you run a Jewish state? Let's talk about Israel for a minute. How do you run a Jewish state without there being some kind of chilul Shabbos? I, you know? I don't think that's. There, I don't. There, think, you know, there are people in Israel. I think it's. And first of all, you also the time that you said last time. You said six to six thirty. It's yeah, it's five thirty-eight. Yeah, I saw that. Because you, your no, is earlier. The, the, but the, like the ski is like six fourteen, six eighteen, something like that. But like, yeah, six fourteen. Let's right. go. Let's go see who's there. You don't want to go now because Chabad is not going to be there. I, I, I think we can go, but I, I think we're going to be disappointed that there's not going to be one from you on that flight. All right, listen. We, we, we besides, you said it's a ten forty-five p.m. flight. And we said even nine o'clock is too is too late. Too late. Yeah. Uh, people come to the airport three hours before. Yeah. I'm talking about 8 o'clock. If you're going 8.30 is the latest you have to come to the airport, you know? Um, I don't think there's any from Jews on that flight. Let's take a ride over. So it's it's, it's uh, 17 minutes from here. Yeah, maybe. maybe. You could get away, you know. We'll go just swing by. It's very park, interesting. You park in the parking area. The but people, you know, floor. I find it interesting. How people are getting uh, involved in these discussions. You know, somebody texts me, I want to give you some, can I give you some feedback? And I was nervous. Like, uh-oh, are they going to say they don't like something? Yeah. And they, they got pretty heated about a specific topic that we discussed. And... Well, I don't think we're the final definitive words just because you bought some fancy microphones and pretty fancy though built up <laughs> pretty fancy and built up a, a, a infrastructure and a platform that has the attention of a half a million people every single day. I don't think you know that makes us the experts on uh, on the things we're discussing. It's just an opportunity discussion. for two way uh, the two way discussion between us. I think uh, that's sort of uh, I was discussing this with with a few people the other night. This is sort of an issue that exists nowadays is the lack of of I guess nuance where discussions are not able to be had and if you, even if you have a discussion everyone wants to cancel you. Like you can't have discussions. You can't, you know, you can't discuss things. And I had, uh, I had, a, I had a close call with that as you know. Um the newspaper, I'm sure January, you run into that all the time. January, no, not all the time, because we're very careful, obviously. But when we had a picture of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th with a friend of ours who was smiling on the Capitol, you know, they, they I was, there was an attempt here to cancel. Yeah, I was on record. I was on record that it wasn't a great idea. Uh, who said it wasn't a, uh, I'm not saying, it was, it was news coverage, you know? So that's Where did I lose the right to cover the news? So that's the, so that's the thing nowadays. And I mean, it, I, have, I have ads in the paper for, for, for olives and bananas, and I don't like olives and bananas. Am I, can I still run the advertisements for them? I, I, I don't, if, you run, can, if you I, can sleep at night? When I, if, when, I, when I see olives, I run in the other direction. You have, a, you have a fear of olives? No, I don't have a fear of olives. I don't like them. I don't even I like think the there's a, them. You know, I think there is a fear of olives. Well, luckily, uh, Emma loves olives. So, oh, really? Um, so we don't they don't go to waste. The fear of olives phobia is aleophobia. No, I'm not afraid of olives. I don't like to Ele- eat olives. Aleophobia. But I'm not going to censor that out of a, out of an ad for a, a food establishment. So when did it did that change at some point where all of a sudden conversations and discussions became just like not be not able to be had? I think it's a it's a situation uh, that social media contributed to very uh, significantly. Because you would Twitter. think the opposite would happen because because of the social media, more discussions are happening. But but, but we but clamp down on that. But you see, 
You know, it used to be that you know we have lack of tolerance for conversations. When 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 John Kennedy was assassinated in 1963, November 1963, Walter Cronkite, who was the anchor of CBS Evening News, he was the 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 gold standard in news reporting in those days. When he reported that Kennedy was dead, there were, you could see a tear in his eye, and he was criticized for not being objective, for showing emotion. You know. But I think what we learned in the last many years is that whether you own the New York Times or the New York Post or the Five Towns Jewish Times or any other newspaper or magazine, the Ami, Mishpacha magazine, you don't have to be objective. You, you do your best to present both sides of a situation, both sides of an argument, but it's always going to be to some extent reflective of your personal feelings, like the governor's race. I am working very hard to get our people to vote Republican uh, in in four weeks, in three weeks, November eighth on election day, to vote for Lee Zeldin for governor because I think New York State's in jeopardy. Is this a paid ad? Democrat control? No, not, <laughs> not yet, but maybe next week. Maybe. <laughs> but so there, there's no this this. Do idea. you get flack for taking stance? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I I was very um, I was very pro Trump before the 2020 election, and you know what? I, I can't. I, I I was a little stunned by the number of people in our core community here who are so anti-Trump. Trump is a is a complicated topic and conversation. But he was a great president and America was in great shape. It, you know what? It, so this is why this is why this so, is this is what, what, one second. So this I, is why I don't this is why I, I mean I, I just bought this coffee across the street. Yeah. You know, it's hazelnut coffee, hot, a little milk and three splendor. Okay. I don't know the guy How much milk exactly? A little bit. A little bit okay. a little bit. I don't know the guy that served it to me. I don't know what kind of person he is. I don't know where he was last night. What his views are. I don't know what his, how he treats his wife or kids or if he has a wife or kids. I don't know if he has a good driving record. I don't know anything about him, but he serves me good coffee. What, what do I have to know everything about everybody that serves you? When you go to the supermarket and the guy checks you out and, send you, and sells you hollows and fish and soup and chicken, what does it matter who's checking you out? Are you going to conscientiously object to buying it and walk out without paying because you don't like the person's character? Well, I think that if people... That's my <coughs> position on Trump. That's your position on Trump. That's your position on, I think, on censorship. On censorship in general. I think that... I think that uh, and your father was a big... A big uh, My father got into big trouble. advocate of this, and and and, and Huawei Jacobson's father was also he got into more trouble because because uh, they didn't Jacobson. they didn't believe they did not yeah. believe in censorship. I don't know if if any of the Jacobsons are going to watching this, but Gershon Jacobson uh, used to create the trouble. My father used to settle the problems. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, they, they were you know they they had a newspaper that was that was in business, and they made a living from the fact that they had organizations that. Um, like the Goddess Yisrael of America and Yeshiva University and Israel Bonds and other organizations that were the the lifeblood of the newspaper. They kept them in business. I think there's. I I, th I think again, it's just there's a lack of tolerance, and this um, this is important to address because uh, if when, the second we stop ha having conversations, and the second that we 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 just close our eyes and our ears to. I'm not saying to to apicarsis and to kfira and stuff like All right, that. See, nah, but there's a, there's a fine line, okay? A couple of years ago, I was in Israel, and at the same hotel was by Marvin Heyer from the Simon Wiesenthal Center in Los Angeles, and the his museum. He built a museum in Central Jerusalem, mm -hmm. massive museum called the Museum of Tolerance, and 
I, I, about a year later, I, I, I wrote about the Museum of Tolerance. It wasn't open yet. I don't even, I'm not sure if it's open yet even. I was just there, you know, eight weeks ago. I don't recall seeing it really open yet, but it'll be open soon. Looks like it's done. And I was speaking to someone who I met in Florida who is a major philanthropist, supports a lot of organizations, uh, gives a lot of tzedakah. And she said to me, I don't like the name Museum of Tolerance. It should be Museum of Acceptance. Now that's just a word here and there, but it's it says it says tremendous amount. What do, are we supposed to accept everything? They have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, you know, you know, I'll give you an example. We, or does that line get drawn um, based on what your person? I think the line gets. I, th- I think the line gets drawn in a, in a weird place. I, I we had a podcast. Everybody draws a line someplace else. Meaningful Minute has a podcast called DMC, Deep Meaningful Conversations. It's with two women, Alex Fletcher and Rifki Silver. It was formerly before Meaningful Minutes sort of took it under our wing. It was the name was Normal from Women, and we were getting ready What's to called now Deep Meaningful Conversations. Okay. Last second, we did a we did a a complete brand overhaul, and we were we were planning on relaunching with the name Normal from Women, but we got tremendous backlash. Normal the, from the, Women. The word Normal is is not. Is not you know, cannot I, be used. I did an interview with um, the. Pub- what do you think about that? I, I did an interview with um, I forget his name right now from Quorum Publishers, Miller Matthew Miller. <laughs> Matthew Miller. I did an interview. I don't know if you po- we posted it. Yeah, I think we posted it on five tjt dot com. Oh, we should have a lot of visits today to the website, right? <laughs> and and he said to me, he's a publisher. He's in the, he's in the business of words. And he said to me, there's certain words you can't use anymore. I mean, one of the words is gay used to mean happy. People used it very liberally, so to speak. You can't use the word um, fundamental. Why? Because it, it means fundamentalist. It means that you're some kind of uh, ah. extremist. And even says the word settlement. You used to be able to make a settlement. They're trigger words. He's a trigger words. He said words that if you're publishing and you want your, your, your target audience to be the mainstream or the middle of the road without giving away that you're taking some kind of extreme position, you can't use those words anymore. I hear. Well, that's our episode. Um, eh. That's it for Sukkot? We didn't even talk about Sukkot. Sukkot is, is upon us. Sukkot is upon us. Uh, it's, a, it's a great holiday. Crown Heights is rocking. Crown Heights is known for the simple space of Shoevas that happen. Yes, now. all night all night long. Um, the rain or shine, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do another episode. Hopefully, we'll try to get one in during Halamid. But uh, I'll tell you that in all my years in Crown Heights, I was at uh, Hakafis by the Rebbe one time. One time, why? I don't know. I don't know. It was just too. It just went too long. Two, three o'clock in the morning, and uh, I don't think my father went. He didn't schlep me along, and uh, uh, it was very, very packed. It was. You're talking about five thousand people in a room that maybe could hold maximum. I I was told that. It still is extremely, extremely packed on Simchas Torah, and some they bring Catskills Hatzalah ambulances to Where Crown to Heights, Heights really? on Simchas Torah because of the people that are that are descending upon Crown Heights for Simchas well, Torah. It's been a long time, but I'll tell you this: at one time, why did I go that year that I went? Because uh, a cousin of mine was going to be away beyond them. Everybody had their place Simchas Torah. Mm. The benches were stacked up to the ceiling, and everyone respected their the places. Everybody, every, there was no chart, there was no list, there was no attendance, there was no monitors. Everybody knew their place. Year after year, they had the same place. Anyway, so my cousin was going away for Yantif. Which cousin? Uh, Shmuley Goldman, tall thin guy, Shmuley, and so he said I could have his place. Except I'm not a tall thin guy, <laughs> and I t- went to his place. He ex- explained to me exactly where it is. Yeah. And I went to his place, and people were 
fidgeting on the bench. They say something's different here this year. <laughs> Something the same people. Someone's here that wasn't here last year. So if somebody gained weight, <laughs> it's a real it's a real issue if somebody comes ten but pounds heavier the year after. I, I think that I think that I I don't think my feet hit the bench. I think I was being held up by the two people, Listen, one behind me and one in front of me. If the glove don't fit, you know that's my Simchas Torah recollection they, they, of uh, being uh, found out that I don't belong on that bench. No, maybe that was the last time you went. But those are Kafis with the Rebbe dancing with the Sefer Torah with uh, his brother-in-law and the smile on his face. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but it's etched in my my memory forever. Do you um, do you recall any uh, any my trips that stand out to you? I don't know, I, except for that baseball game uh, that was Pesach that I did with the. With I, the I can tell you a Cholmite trip we went on. It was Cholmite. I think it was Cholmite Pesach. But the, no, it must have been. Oh, it must have been no. It was Cholmite Sukkot. We went to a Met game. Oh yeah. And uh, the Mets Met were game. in a wild card game versus the Marlins. Really? Yes. And Tom Glavin was on the mound. That was a playoff game. That was a. It was a. La- it was one of the last games of the season to get into the playoffs. The oh, magic oh, number oh, was oh, one. Yeah. I, I, and we, Tom Glavin was on the mound, and I remember you went to go get some drinks. Right. And you right. came back, and before there was even the end of the first inning, yeah. the Mets were down eight nothing. Yeah, that's right. And Tom Glavin, you know, he was a great pitcher. Listen, myself, what the, I came back from the soda place, you it's know, eight the, nothing. Uh, it's eight nothing. In I the remember first him. Inning. I remember him hitting Dontrell Willis with the bases loaded. And I think and, everybody that goes to a Met game or a Yankee game believes when they go to the stadium that the Mets or Yankees are going to win. I have a very good record of of my team winning when I go to games. And it's very disappointing when you go. We all went uh, sometimes in the past year, right? Met game. Yeah, yeah. We went to a double header. They won both games. Well, I left after the first game. I'm not doing no double headers. I know? was there for both. I, I was there for one and a half actually. I was. I my father took me to. I actually took us to to Shea Stadium. I think it was Shea Stadium uh, when they played the Giants. And game two of a double header was 23 innings. Oh my gosh! You we, left, we left after the first game. <laughs> <laughs> when I got we, home, every every episode we do, baseball comes up. I think baseball is very very Jewish. No, uh, I think very uh, Jewish. Uh, well, it's uh, it's acceptable, you know. It's uh, it's uh, it's America's pastime, and we're living in America, and um, this is a unique type of year because every every sport it's in, happening at on once. The globe is happening now. You have, you have the, the the basketball season, preseason now. Football season is just beginning, or just yeah. started already. Baseball's just hitting the playoffs. Yeah. What else is there? Hockey starting. Hockey starting, yeah. And if you're not if you're not a sports fan, it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, that's what's that's what's happening. One thing I wanted to discuss before we end is Lulavim and Esro Lulavim Like um, you know, you walk into shul, you t- you take it out, and everyone's just like you're looking at it, everyone's Lulavim and Esro and see what you got. And um, as it goes, you know, we we find usually find ourselves in not non Chabad shuls, but we are you know a Chabad family and. Have, our, yours, have yours in my car. I our Lulavim are pretty are pretty uh, interesting. Well, I mean, there's uh, at least thirty six Adasim. So thirty six Adasim. That what what does the general uh, Lulav look like with how many Adasim? Um, I think three and, and, and two, <laughs> three and two, two so of one, three of the other. Our Lulavim looks like it. Uh, it looks very full. Looks very healthy. Looks very healthy. Uh, yeah, very I think, green. I think you'll see. You're not going to be in KMH, but I think you you might see a, a few of those. You think so? I think so. Listen, it's a great, it's a great the neo Hasidic revolution. I think it's a great mitzvah. You know, uh, They say about the Haggadah. The more you talk about Mitzrayim, she has Mitzrayim by the seder, the greater, uh, more praiseworthy you are. Why not the same thing with your with your lulav? You know? Okay, listen. Greater question that you might want answers to is if the esrog is the main part of the abraminum, 
Why do you make a bracha on the lulav? Why do you make a bracha on the asterisk? So the children should ask. No, not so the children should ask. There's no mitzvah for the children to ask about suckers. <laughs> but uh, maybe some of your listeners can chime in on that one. Let's maybe. See, we'll, give, we'll answer it next week if... Uh, Okay. We don't get the answer. Of course, you can reach us at thedailythread at gmail at meaningfulminute.org. That's thedailythread at meaningfulminute.org. Or you can send us a message on WhatsApp. You can hit the link in the show notes in the description. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. Go ahead and please rate it five stars on Apple, Spotify. Leave a review and give a thumbs up and a subscribe. hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, we come at you with new episodes every weekday. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Next week, Chalmide, I'm not sure. You know, we might be off, but we will see. Maybe we'll sneak out an episode. Anyways, until then, we appreciate you listening and watching, and have a great night. Good night, great yantif.